Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on November 28th, 2021, during our Sunday morning service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12th meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not a holiday that many Christians celebrate, but it is an important holiday. It's important in prophecy. While the Bible does not command the observation of Hanukkah, it wasn't one of the original seven high holy days, the seven festivals that were annually commanded for the children of Israel. Nevertheless, The events of Hanukkah were prophesied in the book of Daniel. And as you turn with me to the Gospel of John, we're going to see this week and Lord willing next week that Jesus participated in Hanukkah. And one of the, how can you say one of the most important messages Jesus ever preached? We know it's one of the most important because it's recorded in Scripture. Not all of the messages that Jesus preached are recorded in Scripture, but this is one of the most important because it is recorded for us in Scripture. And we're going to see this morning the message Jesus preached leading up to Hanukkah that John connects to the the message that Jesus preached on Hanukkah, which, Lord willing, we'll look at next week. Now, Hanukkah actually begins tonight. It's a festival of Eight crazy nights, as you may have heard someone once say. Eight nights of lighting the menorah and ends then on Monday. And so it's going to cover starting tonight the next eight days. But it commemorates the victory of a group of Jewish rebel underdog freedom fighters as they, by the power of God, according to the promise of God and prophecy were able to prevail against the great Greek king Antiochus Epiphanes, who, as Lord willing, we'll see as we go through the book of Daniel together on Sunday nights, is actually a type of the Antichrist. And so even though this wasn't a high holy day again, this was a very important holiday in prophecy and a very important holiday in the ministry of Jesus In fact, this is the last, as we'll see next week, the last public teaching that Jesus gave that's recorded in Scripture prior to the Passion Week. So in John 10, uh, we see the setup. Let me jump ahead in John 10. We're, we're again, going to cover this part next week. But just to give you the context here, John chapter 10, verse 22 says, It was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, the festival of lights, 
and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple on Solomon's porch. Jesus, as we'll see next week, is going to give a very important message on Hanukkah, but John ties that message to what we're going to look at here in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21 this morning. It was the message that we're going to cover this morning that men and women were divided over and debating for months leading up to the confrontation that we'll look at next week. And so rather than just dive into the confrontation, I thought it would be important that we would get the context and to hear what Jesus has to say to us in the proverb and the pronouncements of the Good Shepherd. The proverb and the pronouncements of the Good Shepherd. Jesus is going to make some very divisive claims this morning. And how we respond to those claims is going to determine, number one, our eternal destiny, but also the way we live until we get there for those of us who know Jesus Christ already as our Good Shepherd. And so this morning, the proverb of the Good Shepherd. Verily, verily, John chapter 10, verse 1, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable, but the word parable in Greek actually is proverb or mysterious saying. This isn't the same Greek word that is translated as parable in the other Gospels. This is a different Greek word. In fact, in chapter 16, it's, it's translated proverb. So it would be more correctly read, this proverb spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Now let's talk about this proverb for a moment and let me show you a few things that Jesus has revealed to us in this proverb and then we'll, with Jesus, explain it as we go on. The proverb concerns the true shepherd and the door. Most assuredly, he says, I say unto you, there is a door to the sheepfold and there is a true shepherd of the sheep. What do we know about this true shepherd and this door? Well, first of all, Jesus tells us that the true shepherd commands entry. He has the ability and the authority to enter into this particular sheepfold. The door opens for him. All others are not true shepherds. All others can't get in through the door. They get into the sheepfold by climbing over the stones of the sheepfold. They sneak their way in, but they don't have the entrance and the authority of the true shepherd. They're just wicked deceivers. Now, this is important 
in the context of prophecy because we need to understand that many have come in the name of Jesus. Many have come in the name of God and have claimed to know God, to have the authority of God, and to be the way to God. But there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. No one can come to the Father except by Jesus Christ. All others are just deceivers. And this is going to become really important in the end times because Israel is going to put, as a nation, is going to put their faith and hope in a false Messiah, a false Christ. We know Him most commonly as the Antichrist. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. And that there are many who are operating under the spirit of Antichrist, but there is a coming Antichrist. John most often calls him the beast. So all others are operating under the spirit of Antichrist, John would say in his epistle. But the true shepherd doesn't have to sneak in. The true shepherd doesn't use deception. The true shepherd walks through the door. And he notice also he leads with authority. The doorkeeper obeys him. And the sheep who know him obey him as well. He leads with authority. More on that in a moment. And then the third thing this proverb says to us is that the true shepherd has proven himself trustworthy. He knows all of his sheep by name. Now you would have to live with those sheep to be able to tell sheep apart. Maybe you could tell two sheep apart, right? But have you seen video of sheep? Maybe some of you have been on a farm with a lot of sheep. They all look pretty much alike for, to me from a distance. But when you are there with the sheep, feeding the sheep, caring for the sheep, you know them distinctly. You know them each by name. You can tell them all apart. He knows them by name. And because of his care for them, they know his voice. They know the voice. The sheep who trust Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, recognize his voice. They recognize it, first of all, in the word of God. Why did some people know that Jesus was Messiah before he did a miracle? Why did they believe he was summoned to be worthy to be followed? Because they knew the word of God. They knew the promises of God. Simeon in the temple. Knowing the promise of God that God had made to him. Anna the prophetess in the temple. Recognizing the baby Messiah when he came. Because God had told Israel where Messiah would be born. Bethlehem. God had told Israel how Messiah would be born. Of a virgin. From Genesis 3.15 to the promise of Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bring forth a son, and you shall call his name God with us, Emmanuel. God would be born of a virgin, the prophet said. And Daniel 9 told the people of Israel the exact day on which Messiah would die. 
So they didn't have the exact day he would be born. But they had the general sense of the time period and when he would be born because they knew the day that he would die. And they also had an astronomical event, the star of Bethlehem, that marked not only where but when Messiah was born. And those who knew the Word of God and those who recognized the voice of God knew exactly who Jesus was, even though they didn't understand all that He was going to do, even though they didn't understand exactly that He would have to die. They didn't understand everything completely, but they recognized the voice of the true shepherd because they knew the Word of God. They knew the teachings of God and they had grown to trust Him. They knew Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But these people didn't understand the proverb. It was, as the word means in Greek, a dark saying to them. It was a mystery what he was speaking to them. And so, verse 7, Jesus begins to explain the proverb to them. And he's going to make two claims, two pronouncements out of this explanation. Both of these are absolutely critical. Again, they determine your eternal destiny. And for those of us who know him as the, as the good shepherd, they determine the quality of your life until we reach death's door or the rapture, whichever comes first. The first pronouncement, verses 1 through 10, I am the door. Look at verses 7 through 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, I, I know sometimes we read this verse, many, maybe many times we read this verse, and we assume that the thief is Satan. And certainly Satan is a thief. But I wonder if the thief here is not the Antichrist that he's speaking of prophetically. The false shepherd as he is known, the worthless shepherd as he is known in Zechariah. Regardless of whether it's Satan or Antichrist, the result is the same. Death and destruction, stealing and killing and destroying, but the true shepherd, the door to the sheep, has come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, to understand this proverb, we have to put ourselves in the context of the message. The church is not in existence yet. The church has not been born yet. The church would not be born until the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is sent to give life to the body of Christ. You can't have a body. I know some people say, well, the Israel is, uh, is called a, a church in the Old Testament. Well, the word church simply means a called out assembly. So yes, Israel was a called out assembly, but the church of Jesus Christ could not exist before Christ came. 
And the, the body of Christ could not have life apart from the Spirit of Christ. So it was on Pentecost, as Jesus had promised in Matthew 16, not I will continue to build my church, but I will build my church, that God sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost to give life to the church. So what Jesus is talking about here is not the church. The sheepfold is not the church. The church does not exist yet. The sheepfold is the nation to which God is speaking. The sheepfold is the nation of Israel. And what Jesus is saying by saying, I am the door to the sheepfold, I am the door, is that He is the one who has come to lead Israel, to lead His true sheep, those who recognize His voice, to lead them out of what the Apostle Peter would call on the day of Pentecost, just months later, an untoward generation. You guys need to save yourselves from this generation. Don't just believe what everyone around you is saying. Don't go the way of the culture. Don't go the way of the world around you, Israel. Come to your Messiah. There are many sheep in the sheepfold that did not know the voice of the true shepherd. Now, again, this is hard for us because we don't have the cultural context, but understand in these days, many sheepfolds would share, or many, I should say, sheep herds, would share the same sheepfold. And so you would have different shepherds over different sheep in the same sheepfold. They would come to that sheepfold for safety at night, and then they would recognize their shepherd, and they would only trust their shepherd. And Jesus is coming to Israel that belongs to Jehovah, and He is saying, those of you who truly belong to Me, who truly know Me, you recognize My voice. I am the door. Remember when we were in the book of Romans, we spent some time in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Paul reminds us that they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Just because someone is nationally an Israelite does not mean somebody has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Jews thought because we're the children of Abraham that we are automatically in, that we are going to go to heaven, that we're going to be part of the kingdom of God on earth. And what Jesus shares with them, as we'll see this week and next week, is that that's not the case. You don't get into heaven through biology. You don't get into heaven through heredity or through genetics. Salvation is not a corporate event. It is a personal decision that you make on whether you will place your faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. That's not a decision that your pastor or this preacher can make for you. That's not a decision that your mom and dad or your spouse can make for you. It's not a decision your brother or sister or your kids can make for you. That is a personal decision. And these people thought that because of their nationality, because of their religion, that they were automatically saved. And Jesus is saying, you don't know me and I don't know you. And if I'm not your shepherd, you're not getting through the door. So important that we understand salvation is an individual decision. Now, again, 
In the Old Testament, Psalm 100, verse 3, God says that Israel are the sheep of His pasture. And so there was a sense in which all Israel was under the shepherd of God. But Jesus came to see who was truly a follower and who was just a participant in the religion. Who had truly made a decision for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Who was truly placing their faith in God and who were just along for the ride. Many people will say one day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do all kinds of things and all manners of wonders in your name? And Jesus is not going to say, well, yes, but then you sinned so much that I kicked you out of the family. He is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. You never had a moment where you placed your faith and trust in me. Jesus is the door. He is the only way to be saved. And for people in that culture, they had to come out of their religion. Because Judaism had become corrupted. It had become a man-made, man-driven religion. It was led by Pharisees and a, an evil high priest who had a holy calling and a holy position, but who was an apostate. And Israel had become a den of iniquity. And Jesus is calling them out. Notice back in verse 2. To him that he entereth in by the doors, the shepherd, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. He leadeth them out. Jesus is not saying the sheepfold is heaven, you got to go through me to get into heaven. But he is saying the sheepfold is Israel, and you better get out of this religion that does not promote me. Jesus said, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching his doctrine, the commandments of men. They had a religion that was based on the truth, but they had perverted it and corrupted it. By the way, in the church age, the church of Laodicea does the same thing. They acknowledge Jesus with their lips. They sing songs about Jesus. He's standing outside, knocking on the door. It's not really about him. He's not part of their worship. Oh, in word, in name, but not in reality. And Jesus is saying, you got to come with me out of this sheepfold. You got to follow me out. You got to be my sheep, my disciples. Because see, God had prophesied that Israel was going to reject their Messiah the first time he came. And that as a consequence, God was going to give people God was going to give people time. He gave them 40 years. He was going to give them time. But the temple would be destroyed. The city would be raised. God was going to judge Israel harshly for the rejection of Messiah. Jesus says, you want to be saved? 
You've got to come through me. You've got to go through me. John 14, 6. Just a few months later, Jesus is going to tell his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Because, see, Jesus, not only is he the only way to be saved, but he is the only one that can provide abundant life. He's the only one who can provide abundant life. Look at verse 10 again. The thief cometh again, whether that be Satan or the Antichrist. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. You got to come with me, Jesus said. You want purpose in your life? You want your life to have meaning? You want your life to have significance and, and to establish a legacy that goes beyond your death that's only found in a personal relationship with the Good Shepherd? That's the only way you're going to have a life that really matters forever is to experience the abundant life that Jesus purchased for you on the cross and that He, he secured for you in the resurrection and that He offers to you. First of all, to come to Him and repent of your sin and to trust in Him as your Savior and to be forgiven and to have eternal life. But then as we're brought into His family, we get the privilege of living for Him and being rewarded and blessed if we live for Him. Being rewarded and blessed for all eternity. That's not a salvation issue, but it is a rewards issue. We're rewarded as Christians, not with eternal life. We have that by faith because of His grace, but we're rewarded with the blessings of God forever and ever based on how we serve Him in this life. Remember in Ephesians chapter 1, we spent weeks going through verses 3 through 14, talking about all of those spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. They're ours in Christ to experience if we will obey, if we will trust by faith the hope that we have in Jesus Christ forever and ever. He is the door. He's the only way to have that life. He's the only way to have a life of true, eternal significance and value. I am the door of the sheep. But notice the second pronouncement. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Not just a good shepherd. Hey, I'm a pretty good shepherd. No, no, no. I am the good shepherd. Jesus was claiming to be the shepherd of Psalm 23. He was reaching back into the old covenant and the promise of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm here. You want all that? Here I am. And I'm offering it to you. I am the good shepherd. Listen to what he says in verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, 
whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, not of Israel, not part of Israel, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice. They shall be one fold and one shepherd. There shall be one fold, one shepherd, one body, one family, one bride. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I am the promised shepherd of Isaiah. I am the promised shepherd of Ezekiel. I am the promised shepherd of Micah. How am I going to prove it to you? Through my death. His death would prove his identity. Despite the prophecies, That Messiah would be struck. That He would be wounded for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. That the chastisement of our peace would be upon Him. And by His stripes we would be healed. Nevertheless, they did not believe that Messiah would have to be struck. Even His own disciples didn't understand that. Even though He told them. Do you remember in Luke 24 when Jesus met those two disciples on the road to Emmaus and He rebuked them because they did not believe all that the prophets had proclaimed. They believed part of the prophecies. They believed Messiah was coming, but they didn't believe all of the, all of the prophecies. Those prophecies they didn't like, well, we'll just tuck them in the back of the Bible. We won't, we won't believe. Those, those aren't literal prophecies. We don't believe in The Bible doesn't have to be literal. It'll just be symbolic. Well, yes, there are symbolism. There is symbolism in prophecy. There are symbolic prophecies, but those prophecies are also literal. They're literal and symbolic. Jesus said, you've got to believe them all. You've got to take them all. Even the ones that said that he would come to die. His death would prove his identity. Incidentally, the ones who, he, now he, he says it here, I lay my life down, no one takes it from me. But the people that he allowed to be used to end his life, he describes them as the hirelings. The hirelings. The hirelings who betray the sheep. Oh, they're the religious leaders. They're the ones who have the religious status. They're the ones who people quote and follow and tag and put on Facebook. The religious leaders. But they're just hirelings. They're not the true shepherd. And they're only out to protect themselves. Now, to give you even a more context to this message, John chapter 10, you might be surprised, follows John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, we see the account of a man born blind. And it's such an important miracle that John, by inspiration of the Spirit, gives an entire chapter to it. But the summary is, this man is born blind. People thought it was because of his parents' sin or it was because he was so wicked that God cursed him with blindness. Jesus said, no, 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 no. He's born blind so I can do a miracle and bring glory. And when he went and testified to the religious leaders that Jesus Christ had healed him, they didn't like that. They couldn't deny the miracle, but they cast him out anyways. 
They didn't like that Jesus was a threat to their position, a threat to their authority, a threat to their sense of self-righteousness. Jesus said they're hirelings. And when the wolf comes, and the wolf will come, they're not going to fight for the sheep. They're going to take off. But the reality is the sheep, Jesus is prophesying here, the sheep who don't follow me, and they trust in those hirelings, those religious leaders, not only is the wolf going to get the religious leaders, the wolf is going to get those sheep too. The wolf is going to scatter those sheep as well. But the true sheep aren't trusting the hirelings. The true sheep are recognizing the identity. See, his death would prove his identity. His sheep would recognize his identity. Those who truly worshipped the Lord from their heart recognized Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't understand everything that he was going to do for them. They didn't understand all his teachings. Even the disciples who lived with him, walked with him, ministered with him, didn't understand everything. But they knew he was the Christ, the son of the living God. They knew he was the Messiah and they followed him out of Judaism into Christianity. And they were intimately cared for by the good shepherd who has promised them and promised us. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You know, if you know Jesus Christ, your good shepherd will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Not only did his sheep recognize his identity, but his father repeatedly affirmed his identity. I'm not going to take the time to walk you through all these verses, but you can, uh, on your own, look at chapter 5, verses 36 through 38, chapter 8, 18, chapter 12, 28. In Mark, at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Father affirming, this is my beloved Son, as the Spirit descended like a dove at the baptism of Jesus. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see God declaring Jesus Christ His Son. The Father affirmed the identity of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. His death proved his identity. His sheep recognized his identity. His father affirmed his identity. And here's where you are if you're in Jesus Christ. His other sheep would embrace his identity too. Jesus says, I've got other sheep who aren't part of Israel. I'm going to get them too. Praise God. He got me too. I'm not Israel. I'm church. But in Christ, we're all one. Jew nor Greek, male nor female, not in Christ. In Christ, we are all one in Christ. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to gather also in fulfillment of prophecy that Isaiah said He's going to be a light to the Gentiles. Jesus Christ, Messiah, proved He is the Messiah of prophecy by bringing the Gentiles into the body of Christ. One shepherd, one flock in Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's our mission. The Great Commission. To recruit the sheep, not just, not just Israel. This, the Gospel, Romans 1 says, is to the Jew first, but it's also to the Greek. We're to take the Gospel, we're to preach the Gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. We're to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. We have the commission of the Great Commission, the mission of the Great Commission to grow His sheepfold 
by spreading the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for your sin and he rose again and you can be forgiven. You can have eternal life, not by what you do, but by what you receive by faith. His grace received by faith. And listen again, his resurrection would cement his identity. You say, well, all of that's good. All of that's great. But how do you know? I know because the tomb is empty. That's how I know. I know because the grave is empty, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, he affirms, listen, I'm going to the cross by my Father's will. This is God's plan, and I am obeying it willingly, and I'm laying my. No, I'm not going to die because I got outnumbered. I'm not going to die because I got overpowered. I'm not going to die because I got outsmarted. I'm going to die because I love you. I love you so much, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And I'm going to prove I am who I say I am because I'm going to take it up again. I'm going to rise from the dead. I will live again, proving he is the sinless substitutionary sacrifice. No man taketh it from me, verse 18, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the good shepherd. And that message caused lots of division. Notice what happens next in verse 19. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Referring back to chapter 9. See, many mocked his claims. Many still mock his claims, by the way. You can... Hear the mocking whenever you turn on the TV, whenever you go to social media, you sit in a class with an atheist or an agnostic professor or teacher. These people said, this guy's just demon-possessed. He's, he's crazy. See, they couldn't deny the power to, to heal the blind, but they denied the source. By the way, this is the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is not something you can commit today because Jesus is not doing miracles in our presence today. Jesus is risen. He's, he's ascended into heaven. But when Jesus walked the earth and he did the miracles that Isaiah prophesied he would do, the most significant, because it was so unique, it hadn't been done before, was the opening of the eyes of the blind. He opened the eyes of the blind according to prophecy and instead of saying he's the prophesied Messiah, they said, oh, that must be from a devil. The demon did that. And Jesus said, because you have attributed the miracle done before your eyes in fulfillment of prophecy, you have denied the work of the Holy Spirit and you have attributed that work to a demon, I'm going to harden your heart and now you won't be able to be saved. Your heart is going to be hardened like Pharaoh's. I'm going to put cement around your heart and you will not be able to receive forgiveness for that. That's not a sin you can commit today. Jesus is not here today doing miracles today in the flesh. But for those people who were there in the flesh and witnessed it, those who mocked his claim committed the un 
unpardonable sin, witnessing the miracles of Jesus with their own eyes and attributing the miracles of the Holy Spirit to a demonic spirit. Now, not everyone mocked his claim. Some just wrestled with his claim. Is that you today? You're not a mocker. You're not a scoffer, but you're not one of his sheep yet either. They wrestled. How can this be true? Well, look, he's doing miracles, but he can't be crazy. He's opened the eyes of the blind. that's, that's, That's God's work. But they didn't follow him. They were so close, but so far away. Is that you today? You hear the words, but you don't really accept them. You hear the message, but you don't really believe the capital M messenger, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you as we close, what do you do with his claims? What do you do with his claims? Is Jesus your good shepherd? Would you stand as we close in prayer, Father? Thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin, not by anything that I deserved or earned, God, simply by your grace. But there was a time in my life, God, when I responded to that grace with faith and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior as a child. Father, I pray if there's somebody here today that has never done that, they would not leave here or they would not Leave what they're doing if they're listening to this until they have made sure that they know that they know that they have eternal life in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, He is our Good Shepherd. Father, as we go through the trials and as we go through the storms, God, may we hold on to the promises of a Savior who loves us so much He died for us and promises never to leave us and has eternity prepared for us, God. May we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.